I'm coming in hot. Welcome to Living Off the Land, the All Things Cleveland podcast, with your hosts, Jordan, Jimmy, and Dan. Follow us on social media at the LOTL podcast. Yeah, coming in hot. Coming in hot. Just like the fajita. Like the fajita. I write what I live. Write what I live. My life in the speaker. I'm nice with the flow. Nice with the Just like the demeanor. Alright, hey everybody. Welcome back. Welcome into LOTL. This is episode 86. Uh, we are here live, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, back again with you, uh, with Jordan and uh, Jimmy via Skype. And uh, we've got uh, our buddy Steve Stefano here with us as well. What's up, gentlemen? How's your day going, Dan? Whoa, what was that? Oh, sorry. How's it going, guys? <laughs> what was that? What, is, what, is, what was that? It was, I, I just got... I'm in the car. We're doing this via Skype, via car, via Subaru, actually. Oh, and Subaru. And the radio blasted, so... Oh, I apologize. A bit of a technical difficulty. Again, oh. with the Australian accent. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'll, I'll cut it off. <clears throat> Good eye, Mike. Yeah. What's up, Steve? Good How are you? I can't speak Australian the whole time. Oh, God. But, uh, Can we please not make this a thing? <laughs> <in the podcast? laughs> I knew nothing about that. Before. This is the All Things Cleveland podcast. This is yeah, not, not the All Things this Australia. Is li- this is not living off Melbourne. <laughs> mm. It's much warmer yeah, in Melbourne than it is here. Yeah. That it is. Whoa. Yeah, that's a, that's a bite. Yeah, we'll get into why I just said whoa in a second. But uh, Okay, well, apparently nobody wanted to... Uh, Never mind. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for listening once again. Uh, as you can tell, uh, I still really don't have a voice, so uh, fighting through this one again. But uh, we got Steve on with us, so we're going to talk a bit about his uh, blog series on LOTLpodcast.com coming up in a little bit. Uh, but we appreciate you listening on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud. Uh, if you follow us on Instagram or on Twitter, uh, we posted our Spotify wrapped, uh, 2019. Um, I, I don't know what it is. Is it like a they call like know, year like review banner year yeah. review thing? So, uh, that's pretty cool. I didn't realize that was going to be a thing that we could do until I got the, uh, notification this morning. So, uh, check that out. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. We're coming up on the end of 2019 here. Looking into 2020 as we uh, wrap up our first, first full year, uh, calendar year of being a podcast from wire to wire. So uh, thanks for listening and uh, tuning in. You can follow the show on social media at the LOTL podcast, uh, where we try and post uh, pretty regularly. Uh, about all things going on with the show, things going on with Cleveland, uh, Cleveland sports, uh, cool Cleveland articles that showcase the city. Uh, we try and retweet and uh, uh, give to you guys for your reading pleasure. So, um, just going to quickly uh, go through what we're going to be talking about on today's episode. Uh, we've got, like I said, we've got Steve here. We're going to talk about his uh, uh, Runner's Journal series. Uh, we've also got our beer of the week, which I will uh, 
talk about here in a second. We've got our normal rhythms, our uh, top five, and our poll of the week. Interesting poll of the week discussion that uh, we weren't really too sure what to expect as far as voter uh, votership, but we got a lot, so we're going to talk about that. Wildly popular. Uh, the Indians are heating up the baseball hot stove with some rumors of trades, so we'll get into that. Um, we'll get into some other big mega deals that were going on in Major League Baseball and how it would affect the Indians and free agency. Uh, we'll talk about the Browns, preview the Browns-Cardinals matchup, uh, Kyler versus uh, Baker, and uh, how the Browns are still technically alive in the playoffs. Uh, we'll have Steve uh, go through the scenarios to which the Browns can still make the playoffs. And uh, Jordan will recap Cavs-Rockets from last night. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, he was there uh, rooting for the Rockets. Yeah, yeah. Because he sucks. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Just like the rest of the Rockets team, except for James Harden. Also, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll talk about that game because that was actually a pretty interesting game. And uh, some things came out of it for the Cavs. Uh, that were pretty interesting developments, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, not sure if Jimmy has anything for us in the CLE, but we'll find out uh, later on. And then uh, we've got some uh, some news going out about in the city about our favorite breweries and uh, a new taco place that we still haven't tried. So let's uh, let's get it together. Uh, I said I was going to talk about it, but Jordan, do you want to? Yes, sir. I have no voice. Uh, I would love. You want to, to talk about what we're uh, sipping on here for the beer of the week? I would love to. All right. <coughs> so this week, Dan got us something that we actually haven't had ever before. So that's cool. We are sipping on Slay All Day. Is the name of it? Slay. <laughs> it is from Masthead Brewing Company. Great place. And it's described as an IPA with spruce tips. Yeah, I don't know what that means. So I'm just going to read the description real quick yeah, yeah, because do. I don't know how to describe this beer other than this description. This seasonal IPA was brewed with a blend of spruce tips and hops, yielding a balance between tropical hop goodness, piney, di- <laughs> piney dankness, and a brilliant malt backbone that complements all of our favorite parts of the holidays. Enjoy this beer with your loved ones while roasting chestnuts over an open fire, listening to your uncle's best dad jokes, Uh, or to simply celebrate the season. Well, we're not doing any of those things right now, but I'm sure it can be enjoyed in many other uh, holiday activities. Hey, Jimmy, (laughs) do you know anything about piney dankness? Uh, You know what, Dan? Can't say I have any experience. But uh, quick question: Has anybody actually roasted chestnuts before? Is that yes, a real thing? yes, that's it. Well, not o- not over an open fire, but um, chestnuts for whatever reason is a really big Italian thing. So mm. um, my grandparents and aunts and uncles and stuff will always have uh, like oven roasted chestnuts uh, on the holidays. So we yeah. did for we did we did for Thanksgiving, and then I'm sure we'll we'll do it for like Christmas. It's Mainly just like a thing to have out on the table, like when you're sitting around a table talking or playing card games or something like that. <coughs> yeah, can't say I've ever done that, but apparently this beer is good for that. So if you want to, if you want to give it a try, head over to your local uh, liquor store or uh, gas I, I, station and pick up Slay all day. I IPA. don't like I I don't 
taste you know, anything Christmassy about it. Really. I was I was gonna say the same thing. It just tastes like a really OG IPA, like the yeah, real it piney. Does. It's just something piney yeah. indeed. It is definitely oh, piney. Oh, for sure. But it, it just tastes like something that you know that they just decided to brew around the Christmas time. Right. It's just like a normal like uh, IPA. Well, the can's cool. So, with the oh yeah, the, the can's beautiful. It's a beautiful can. Um, I gotta say, do you? Uh, this might be a really dumb question. When they say spruce tips, do they actually mean they put like spruce uh, branches in there? <laughs> like, maybe that's the. Maybe that's like, the. Uh, I didn't know you could actually ingest like evergreen. Maybe parts. that's the Christmas <laughs> part because like like when you think of evergreen or spruce, you think like Christmas yeah. tree. Maybe it you is know or, what it is I'm, organic material, is, so technically it should be possible. I'm gonna I, I try something try myself. Yeah, right. I'm going to try something I've never done before. Well, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, well. I'm going to, while we're talking, I'm going to ask them. Just direct them <coughs> on Twitter, see if someone responds to me. Jimmy, have you ever had any uh, masthead beers? Or have you been oh, sorry, to... You're, sorry, wait, repeat that one more time. Wow. Have you ever had any masthead beers or have, or have been I, to masthead? I have not. Uh, I've definitely heard of it. But, um, no, can't say I have. Definitely still a bit of a beer rookie but i'm willing to try yeah, just about anything so i need you guys to help me out a little bit not gonna lie yeah uh what what, what kind of uh what kind of cleveland beers are you gonna be uh <laughs> sipping on yeah uh you know what i think i'm debating between either festivus Ooh. or pit my sleigh so oh pit my oh, sleigh oh go pit my sleigh sure? yeah yeah okay. if you really want to if you a, really want to make a splash yeah, pit my sleigh is that will open up the Christmas taste buds, and the and the, and the Christmas spirit. Well, all right, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So that is the beer of the week this week. Uh, pretty good beer. Um, it's I I if you're just looking for an IPA, I would look at it because it's oh, thank you. It's really just. It's an IPA. It's that's just an IPA. Sure. I mean, it's there's delicious. nothing really like like there's there's no cinnamon, there's no nutmeg, there's no like any of those Christmas notes that we're used to in our Christmas beers. Right. It's not categorized as a Christmas ale at all. Um, it's an IPA. That's what it says on the can. It's just called Slay All Day, and there's I mean Christmas you, lights on the can. If you think about it, yeah, you might sense some sort of weird flavor in the background, which yeah. I assume is whatever spruce tips are. Yeah. But we'll just say yeah. it tastes like a Christmas tree. Yeah. It's like Christmas tree juice. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway, on that note. <clears throat> on that note, let's uh, let's uh, as we're as we're enjoying our beer of the week, let's let's talk to Steve a little bit about uh, about his experience, and we'll talk about his uh, runner's blog, his four part series. Uh, Steve, remind us the names of the four parts. Yeah, so you got four. The four parts. The first part is the build up. The second is the core, or I think what I refer to as the peak. The third is the taper, and the fourth is, well, race day in the aftermath. Yeah. Um, so just real quick, uh, what was what was your favorite part to write, and does that correspond with? Uh, your favorite part in the process leading up to the actual race? Um, I would say my favorite part to write was probably the the peak. Yeah. Just because it really goes over the real nuts and bolts of training, uh, the runs themselves, sort of the how you have to physically and mentally prepare yourself for the race, and the sort of um, 
tactics you have to use uh, with regard to the, the gear that you wear, the shoes that you, you wear on your feet, uh, all the way to the supplements that you might take to, to be able to get yourself to recover properly. Um, I actually am, am kind of a, a lightweight when it comes to that sort of thing. There, mm. there are some runners who do take advanced supplements and, and protein powders and stuff. Um, not quite to the extent of like bodybuilders, but yeah. it, it does it does help you when you're using your muscles as much as is particularly below the belt uh, as right. you do on a given basis. It was not my favorite part to do, obviously, because this is you know when you're expending the most physical energy, uh, you're building up. Um, I mean, the top runners they're they're pulling eighty to hundred miles a week. Mm. You know, for, oh for me. I think the most I've ever run in a week is 54. I logged that much in one yeah. week prior to uh, Detroit in 2017. This year, 42 was my top uh, in terms of total mileage. So that's 54. How many times running that in would, that week? That would be six times in a week. Nine, so nine miles you run average. One, you're running once a day, or do you do like two times a day sometimes? You know, some runners do that where they will um, – try to break it up into two, you know, right one before yeah. they go to work or whatever, then the second one in the evening. I don't do that hardly ever. I, I think it's, I, I feel like it can, it can help on days where you have, like, if you're doing a short race, like a 5K or a t- something like that, mm-hmm. and then you come back with a recovery jog later in the day to try to get yourself back around for the next big, yeah. big workout. I think it can be helpful in that situation, but I, I, I think it's just too much. To, to, to do realistically more than once a week at most. Hey, Steve. Yeah. I got a question for you real quick. So obviously mm-hmm. you're a very experienced runner, and uh, obviously every runner has, like, their own method. You know, obviously you, you train to an extent, but uh, the body breaks down, you know, just especially when you do, like, something like that, physical toll on your body. How do you push through it mentally? Like, do you have any tips? Like, like what do you – when you're on mile 18 and – start to cramp up a little bit and like what what goes through your mind how do you persevere well i can i can answer this two ways one from a training perspective and then on race day in training you just it's almost an experience thing you almost have to know what the difference is between normal fatigue and what might be the beginning of an injury and that really only comes with having done the activity for months years frankly uh, I had two situations, uh, one in August and one in uh, October. Both were after speed workouts where I parts of my knee and side of my legs just did not feel good at all. And I knew it in those moments I kind of had to pull off the reins for the next three or four days uh, and then just wait for my body to respond. Because uh, if you're pushing and you know that one of your your – feet or, or ankle or knee or something it's just it just it seems like it's going bad consistently it's best to kind of just you know downshift maybe go to an alternative activity like cycling or swimming for a few days and then come back and see where you're at that being said on race day it's a completely different situation it really is uh if you're training for a marathon in particular if shorter races 5k's 10k's even half marathon you can come back several weeks later and you can be just as good as you were before, maybe even oh, stronger. Interesting. For a marathon, that's just not possible. Yeah. It takes mm-hmm. way too much out of you. You're out there for three, four, maybe five hours, depending on what your pace is. It just it just beats you down. So to Jimmy's point, and I love the fact that he mentioned 18 miles. 18 miles a great question, to 20 great question. is usually when the race starts going bad for me. 
And a lot just of runners, in general for you, that's just been a thing for you. The human body is not really designed to, to go much like beyond <laughs> twenty miles. Yeah, you you talk to even the pro runners around twenty miles is when it usually starts getting really hard, mm-hmm. and it's at that point where you're all in. It's game seven. Yeah, you're it's the Super Bowl. It does not matter what happens after. Well, I mean, it kind of does because I mean you don't want to get severely injured, but short of Short of your legs falling off, your only thought is, I just have to get to the end, yeah. and whatever happens in the aftermath, I, you know, you worry about it then. So would you say it's more like a mental thing at that point? Like, like, you know, you're going to be hurting regardless. It's just like, okay, I'm going to get through this no matter what. Yeah, it, it really is that. And in the case <coughs> of, of Richmond, where I just, I had this really nasty callus on my left foot for some reason and it's it came about in the middle part of the race and it's it's literally the point where i feel it on every step it was terrible right but yet what i told myself is you know what it's skin surface pain yes it sucks but it's not gonna like it's not gonna be a knee injury or an ankle injury or or pulling a muscle or something that's gonna put me out for a long period it's it's it'll get better i just gotta get through it right now I have a question for you before we dive into your personal experience in Richmond, because I, I, I want to talk about that. Um, where did you come up? So the method you, you put in, in your four-part series, um, I found it real easy to understand for the most part, and I've never done it, but I feel like it's something I could like start doing just by reading the articles. And I was impressed by how precise it was at points. Where did you come up with with that method is that just your experience like who taught you that is it years of experience or did did you learn it from a book or something well i know from my time running cross country at strongsville high school and track and field i I knew how to prepare for shorter races okay when i started moving up toward the marathon this was about a decade ago i read some books that were run that were written by professional runners Mm. guys like Mm -hmm. bill rogers Catherine switzer um some of the folks who are high ups in the New York Roadrunners Club who put on the New York City Marathon and kind of took some of their programs and modified them based on some of the workouts that I had done in cross country and track and field. Sure. And so the, the basic gist of a training week is you want to, you want to run about five days mm-hmm. on average, four in the starting phase, in, in the build up in the beginning of the core. And then once you get into the peak, you get to five, maybe toward the very top of it, you're up to six. And it's usually like three of the days are just, you know, slow to medium jog the whole time. Two of the days, you're going more up-tempo. That might be intervals. That might be uh, switching back and forth between slow and fast in the middle of the run. Uh, Runners Mm -hmm. actually refer to that as fartlek. And the other day is the long run. And those are, you start those around maybe seven or eight miles or whatever you feel like you can do, and then you just kind of build up each week. You go up by one or two each time until by the end, ideally, you're up somewhere between 16 to 18. I only did 15 on my longest run this year. Okay, okay. So, yeah, that, so that's, that's basically so training week. Obviously, you're in shape for the most part. You're, you've been actively running for years now. It's a passion mm-hmm. of yours. Did you ever struggle with motivation, or has is just this something that comes natural to you that you want to do this? There are some days where you just feel down, and it usually happens in one or two situations. One, if you've been out there two, three, four days in a row, mm-hmm. and you feel like mentally and physically you just feel beat, you know, 
it, usually you just need an off day in a situation like well, that. Well, be, because real quick, I, I ask this because people like myself and many people that I've talked to cannot do running. Like we can, but like we make excuse after excuse. I've done it before, hated it, never really felt that high. At least I didn't give myself the chance to. What do you have to say to people like myself and other people who are kind of you know, just don't don't have that natural motivation? I think if you are on your couch or if you're doing another activity but not doing it religiously, what you have to understand is the the body wants to st- it's the concept of inertia. Mm-hmm. The body wants to stay at rest if it is at rest mm-hmm. and it wants to be in motion if it wants to st- if it's- I like that wants to stay in motion right so the hardest phase is always the first two weeks you know it's uh, so january 1st Mm -hmm. people are gonna are gonna say that they're gonna get in shape they're gonna go to the gym and everything Mm -hmm. which by the way january horrible month to do that because (laughs) it's cold and miserable the the hardest months for me in running are january and february just Mm because it is Mm -hmm. it's hard it's it's nasty when it's snowy and and miserable out there but but you also hate running inside and you you hate running on treadmills. I, I really do. I, that, that's just a thing. I just find it boring. Yeah. I, some people can do it. It's just not for me. Gotcha. But getting, getting back to your question, yeah. it really is the hardest part is getting going in the first week or two. And, and it happens to me too. If I'm coming off an injury and I'm coming back those first couple of runs, four miles feels like 12. Yeah. And the next yeah. day, my legs are killing me. Mm-hmm. Yep. What I just have to say is, okay, you just take the next day off, Go out the next day after that and just kind of go every other for a while until your legs kind of adjust. You rest your body, your, your lungs adjust if you haven't yeah. been doing any aerobic exercise. You know, because sometimes if you haven't been doing any of that, you could be three minutes in and before your legs even start to hurt, you're, you feel like you can't breathe. Right. Final, final question I have before I want to jump into your personal Richmond experience. Yeah. Do you recommend trying to find like a workout buddy or, a, or someone to hold you accountable? Or, or, or is that just kind of, it's more you need to motivate yourself? Or, or how, what do you think? There's two reasons why having a running buddy or a running group is very effective. One is exactly what you just mentioned, mm-hmm. self-motivation. If, you're, if you don't feel like you're self-motivated, having somebody who's going to tell you on that Wednesday or Thursday night when mm-hmm. you've been at work all day and you don't really feel like going out, that person might call or text you and be like, hey, let's go. Right. You know, mm-hmm. That really is motivating. And, and it could be that you see what your partners are doing and you're like, oh, I got to go out and try and beat them. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it becomes a, a competitive game at that yeah. point. You mm-hmm. know, not, not to the point of, you know, I have to beat them because I'm just like, you know, I want to be better. I mean, you no, do right, want to be just, better, it's but basic like it's, it's, it's not yeah. like he, I win and you lose. You know, right, it can right. be a situation where everyone wins. And the second part of it is actually, and I feel this is especially important for women. I have never personally come into any trouble while running other oh, than, yeah. other than yeah. usually dogs will run after me. One night in Parma when I was training for Baltimore <laughs> in 2014, right along this very road, a black dog actually, it was dark out. It was like 8.30 at night. Oh, yeah. Chased me into the road. I could have died if there was a car coming in that first lane on Ridge Road. Mm-hmm. But in all seriousness, there is a certain amount of safety that well, comes. Well, not that road. With, that's that's oh, not Ridge. I know what he's thinking. He was he was thinking we were at Dan's <coughs> old place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had flashbacks funny. there for me. That is funny. The Renwood House. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. It was near Cairo, Cleveland. Oh. When that happened. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. But in all seriousness, uh, being with like, the. Wait. What were you doing running here if we were in Parma? Yeah. 
Never mind. Sorry. No, I I, I understand what no, you're saying. Seriousness. Being with a buddy or with a group, there is a level of safety with that, especially for women, because I feel like they may unfortunately be more of a target than male runners are. Um, usually runners don't carry don't carry anything but maybe their phones with them. They don't carry cash, they don't carry right. keys usually. You wouldn't think they'd be obvious targets, but there have been many incidents of you know people getting attacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just uh, earlier this summer, I know there was a story where um, there was an American scientist that actually mm-hmm. was vacationing in Greece, and she got you know mm-hmm. they found her at the bottom of a cave somewhere. Oh, wow! Like so, I don't you mean do, you know, I don't you mean do, to scare anybody with that. No, but, but you it do, is not unprecedented. You, know, you, that you, you, you do well. You do hear of a lot of like crimes against women are when they're running unfortunately it's disgusting and and so i you know i i, I personally speaking for myself I, I would probably prefer to have a buddy running with me just for motivation mm-hmm. but i think it's also just to be smart especially if you're running in dark times like in the day or, or morning or, or night you know and that can be especially important at this time of the year. We're only nine days away from the winter solstice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you really, if you're working a traditional schedule, you're you not really don't, you really don't yeah. have much daylight, really. I mean, right. I work seven to four, so that four o'clock hour is really all I've got to try right. and get it done. Right. But, uh, yeah, it, you know, I didn't address safety very much during this series because I've, I've never mm-hmm. really yeah, thought much of it, right. but it is a thing. Well, I'm glad we talked folks. about it now. I really am. Um, let's, let's transition to your most recent marathon in Richmond. Uh, what was it? A couple weeks ago, three weeks ago now? Yeah, it was on November the 16th. So, um, not to bring up bad memories, but this was a tough one for you from what I read in your article. And if anyone has read it, like this was, this was rough. So walk us through what happened and what you think you've learned from it. So toward the end of the peak, I had two runs that were excellent one was a half marathon run on the towpath trail uh down near akron i ran 13.1 miles in an hour and 33 minutes which is a really good time um a few weeks after just about a week after that i ran the 15 miles which was my longest run and then just like four days after that i did 10k in just over 40 minutes wow which is which is fantastic that's really good right that's really good right that was only about 30 seconds off my personal best time Oh, wow. 10K so, is 6.2 miles. 6.2 miles. Yeah. So there was no denying. I mean, I may not have been in the best shape of my life, but I was really in good shape to do this. The the yeah. peak, the, the, the strategy, it had all worked up to this point. The Tuesday before the race, we had a freak snowstorm in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was miserably cold. It was maybe 15 degrees outside. I remember that. It got really cold. This was supposed to be just a little four or five mile jog. It was the second to last one before the race. Thursday was going to be the last. Mm-hmm. I elected to do it inside, which any rational person would have done in this, right. in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I just felt this really weird pain in my left calf as I was going around the indoor track. Mm-hmm. And I stopped at one point, re-stretched out. Maybe I thought, okay, maybe I didn't warm up well. It continued three or four minutes later, and I just abandoned the, the workout. And I, I went home, iced. And I was just really wondering what the heck's going on here. Thursday, I get maybe about a mile in, and I feel that same tugging mm-hmm. in, in the left calf and I knew immediately what it was because when I was playing soccer mm-hmm. in the spring I felt an injury where I felt a just a really quick tugging in the bottom of the right calf and 
it, it was basically a pull muscle is what it was. Mm, yeah. I mean, it, it was a grade one calf strain. I mean, mm. I didn't have that officially diagnosed, but no, that it, was all it, of the that's probably symptoms what it was. of it. Right, right. And I pretty much knew right away that's what was going on. It was incredibly unlucky. To put this into context, a few weeks after the race, we played we played football on the field at Strongsville mm-hmm. Middle School. I was doing sprints and stuff, and I was. Ah, that's so. How annoying so is like, that? That's like so annoying. <laughs> like to me, that would be just incredibly annoying. How do you? How do you like mentally? Like, how do you t- describe how you mentally got through all this? Well, it was on that Thursday night, and Aren and I, we actually, she's being initiated in the Catholic Church right now. Oh, okay. We yeah, had yeah. a right of Christian initiation meeting. Mm-hmm. And then we went to DeBella's to get sub sandwiches afterward. And I just discussed with her, there were three options I had. I could have just said, okay, you know what? I can't do this. It's done. Whatever. I could have decided to rest and then come back for a race later, maybe in December. Mm-hmm. I could have gone to San Antonio. I could have gone to Dallas. There were a few other mm-hmm. options sure. out there. That would have been dicey. Who really wants to go to Dallas? True. True. <laughs> True. That would have been more dicey. I, you know, I wouldn't have been in as good a shape, but it still would have been an option. Mm-hmm. Or the third option was just, okay, let's just do it. And mm-hmm. I said, I will probably have to walk this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe run just as as I can, mm-hmm. and I ended up breaking it to the race expo that the day before, and I saw on a mural the hardest. It was the hardest. Um, I can't remember the quote now, but it had something to the effect of mm-hmm. um, the hardest thing to do is get to the starting line. Yeah. Sure. And mm-hmm. on the two previous occasions when I had been training for. Oddly enough, Las Vegas and Houston, mm-hmm. I didn't make it to the starting line. This mm-hmm. time I did, and I took a lot of pride in that. I actually mm-hmm. got a little bit emotional. I teared up a little bit. Yeah, at the no, yeah, I, I totally, I can understand that. Yeah. So I was prepared. It was going to be a mess. It would normally I'm done in about three to three and a half hours. This time it was going to take, you know, could be it could have been six seven hours. But I just said, okay, I'm just going to do it. And I just watched as all the runners in the field yeah. all just streamed right past me. I'm just like, ah, 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 you know, I'm out here and I'm mm-hmm. just at my little, you know, relative brisk walk pace, maybe 15 minutes a mile. I'm like, okay. Right. You know, and, you know, through the early part of the race, there are spectators and they keep you going. But, you know, mm-hmm. when you're in the way back, everybody's gone by the time you get to the second half of the course. That was a little bit new for me because the spectators really do help you from 20 miles onward. Interesting. I I guess that makes sense. That there was really not hardly anybody out there until I got back to downtown for the very end. Mm. You know, it it made it difficult. It almost made it. To use the sports analogy, it it felt like I had the lead and the other team was coming back on me. Mm. And and as, as I was tightening up even more, it almost it really felt like I was playing a road game. Yeah. instead of a home game that. for once okay yeah but um yeah it was just a, a terrible circumstance um but i i did what i could i it took me seven hours to get to the finish line but i did what i think is really interesting and is actually quite admirable honestly is uh a veteran runner like yourself who's completed now this was your 11th but you've completed 10 up until then all running and all essentially trying to run faster than the one previous this one you went in knowing all right that's out the window i'm not i'm not you know you said you know you you couldn't you couldn't even run so 
you couldn't use the motivation of trying to like set a new PR or uh, you know run the race strategically like maybe you would want to do, but you still did it almost almost having the motivation of being somebody who's never finished a marathon before and just saying I'm going to finish this no matter the circumstance because that's what I that's what I want to do, which I thought was really interesting to find that motivation that way even though you finished 10 marathons previously. Yeah. It's like you say, Dan, I, I had no chance of getting a personal best time. I had no chance of really performing well in the race after what had happened that previous Tuesday. But in the end, I, I feel like un, unless you truly are disabled to the point where you cannot do it, yeah, you owe it to yourself to do the best you can. There are many situations in life where things seem impossible or things seem like you just, there's no way. Yeah. You just you just can't find a way to win or you just can't find a way to, to accomplish your goal. But what this really was for me was just get in there, dig deep, and really just come hell or high water, just do whatever I could to get there. You know, if I made it to 20 miles and I, the thing just blew up on me completely, well, yeah, then, then there's then, nothing so, you can do about then, it. Then, you know, then I'm done. But I was not going to give in that easily. Yeah. Was it, was your motivation to uh, finish because you've never not finished one before? Once I got on the course, yes, yeah. it was. I am 10 for 10 finishing and now 11 for mm -hmm. 11. Right. And even pro runners can't say that. Some, sometimes mm -hmm. they have major uh, abdominal distress or maybe during they, the race. they come up. Yeah, they'll, they'll come pick up, up with, an injury during the race and they can't or, finish. Yeah. If it's bad enough, I mean, yeah, right. it, and and what they're literally <laughs> doing is, when that happens, they're gauging, okay, how much of a risk am I taking by trying to finish this race? Am I going to be putting myself out for mm -hmm. a much longer period? Mm -hmm. Which for them is significant because that's how they earn their livelihood. Yeah, yeah. for me, yeah, being an amateur, I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, it's other like, than maybe medical bills. It's like uh, <laughs> it's like uh, Michael Scott eating five pounds of fettuccine before running the. That's right. Michael Scott One fun run, run for the cure uh, to for cure rabies. rabies. Yeah, and he couldn't fi finish because he got a stitch on his stomach because he ate all the fettuccine. <laughs> <and> freedom. <laughs> that is exactly which, me, <laughs> which is exactly what you don't do before. <laughs> which right. brings me to uh, I don't know if you had any more questions. But I that was one, one question that that I had was. Um, you, you don't have to run through like your, your entire diet, like the whole week before, like, the, but like maybe the night before and then the morning yeah, of, like, day. what do you like, is it, is it something like, do you, do you carb up a lot? Do you like, what, what do you usually eat? It is smart now in this case, since I was, I knew I was going to walk instead of run. Yeah. I, I really didn't pay attention to this this time around, but in general, you want to prepare yourself to know that you're going to expend a whole lot of calories on, on the course. Right. Normally anywhere between 3,000 to 5,000 calories to get to the end. Right. So it, that depends on your weight, obviously. But you know, if, if you're heavier, you'll use more. So you need two things, really. You, you need Before the race, carbohydrates are probably the most important thing. Breads, pastas, um, you know, whole grains. Those are going to give you the energy to keep you going. And it's good to even get some of that at breakfast the morning beforehand. Um, either cereals or pancakes. I mean, mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't want to load yourself up too much. But at the same time, you, you want to be able to you know, have energy to take on race day as well, along mm -hmm. with the night before where you really do want to load up a bit. 
but it's just as important to eat well and eat good portions after the race too. Sure, yeah. To try to help you through the recovery process, and a lot of runners don't do that. They're very bad at that. Yeah. Uh, they think that oh, I'm not working out now, so I don't need to eat as much. Not really. And after the race, proteins and and lean meats like um, chicken, fish, uh, pork. That's those are the ones that really help your muscles to to really come back. Okay. Yeah. And that's a, that's that's especially true if you feel like you have any nagging injuries too. Mm. Um, you know, to try and assist muscle recovery is very important. And yeah, I've heard that a lot with like fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, do you have anything else? You still there? Yes, I am. Uh, you mentioned protein and uh, the diet after you run. Uh, I've heard this for years, and I've never really known um, if it's true or not, or if it's something you'd advise people to do. But would you ever drink chocolate milk after a long run? You know, that's actually not a bad choice because milk hmm. does have protein. Milk does have a lot of uh, calcium and vitamin D, which are very important to keep your bones and your joints healthy. Yeah, um, I don't know see, if I would chug a huge amount of it right after a run, but, <laughs> but a yeah, bit, it's, yeah, it's a good beverage. You yeah. see, you see more and more athletes uh, are sponsored by do commercials for like chocolate milk, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I know Kevin Love did uh, for a while. <coughs> so, yeah, supposedly it helps prevent cramps too. Yeah. Well, we appreciate uh, you sharing with us, Steve. Thanks for doing that. And uh, saw you wore your LOTL jersey. Yeah, I did. In fact, I had the 11 LOTL jersey uh, representing my 11th marathon. Nice. Our basketball jersey. Yes. Jimmy. And going back to your your last... Our basketball jersey? Steve wore it during the race. Uh, Good times. Under my three other layers because I was cold because I was walking. It was only 38 degrees. It was nothing like the uh, strangely cold that day for that location. Sunday Strongsville Lower Division uh, League. <laughs> Shout, out. Shout out. Playoffs two years in a row. What's up? What's good? Jordan, to put a bow on this, you yeah. asked me at the very beginning about um, people trying to follow this program. And this, mm-hmm. this is something that I feel like even if you have, are an athlete, if you play team sports, mm-hmm. if you do cycling, if you do swimming, if you do any sort of, of aerobic training, you would be able to do this, mm-hmm. particularly because that opening build-up phase incorporates all sorts of cross-training activities. Sure. And it kind of slowly trends you more into in toward running. But even during the peak, if you're not an accomplished runner, you still have the ability to supplement with cycling, with swimming, mm-hmm. with basketball, with soccer, with any other sort of uh, semi-cardiovascular activity. And I'm laying down the challenge right now. The Cleveland Marathon this upcoming May mm-hmm. is the 10th anniversary of my first marathon. Oh. I'm running it again in 2020. Okay. And anybody else that feels – and there are, there are three races that day. There's the 10K, there's the half marathon, and there's the marathon. Mm-hmm. So there's three, you know, 6.2 miles, 13.1, and 26.2. I implore anybody who read this series, who, who is feeling the least bit motivated to think that they can do this, my Instagram is stefano.steven. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. You can reach out to me. I'm willing to help you through this and, and help you make this goal. I want to get I want to get a group of people yeah. to be able to you know do what we need to do. You know what we year. need to do is we need to get your ass back on Twitter. Mm. That might help. Well, we know our one our one 
uh, buddy. Well, we haven't met him in person yet, but he's a great li- listener and uh, Taco of, Paul. Yeah, Taco Paul. He's uh, he specifically has been reading your series, and he's real excited. And I sounded like he was interested in maybe doing a marathon. I know me and him are talking about doing that 5K with Hannah. So um, I know he. Yeah, so I know. Uh, we'll definitely give him the information to get a hold of you because he he probably would be someone that'd be very interested. Yeah, we need so. to get you back on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Or not, because it's a cesspool. But <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, well, thanks. Dave. Uh, this has been great. Uh, I really enjoyed that series so much. Um, being, a, you're a great writer, and I found it very motivational, and just in general, just very precise and very easy to understand. So, thanks for doing that. Uh, I, I I wrote down in the notes you're no longer oh, yeah. you're no longer a guest. So that's pretty cool. Right. Uh, thanks again. Um, if you have anything else you want to say. Go for it. If not, we'll shoot into uh, probably top five or something. Yeah, thanks for uh, allowing me the chance to do this and really impart my knowledge yeah. uh, and experience for anybody that was interested. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Um, okay, let's uh, let's do our top five here real quick. Uh, we're going to sort of transition out of that and into our top five. Uh, we are now less than two weeks, guys, away from Christmas. How crazy is that? Woo! Yeah. Uh, sorry, for, I, I, that, there's a drop there that I didn't, uh, <laughs> too oh, late. Oh God, now it's really too late. Uh, <laughs> there it is. Oh, I thought for sure it was going to be, <coughs> it's going to be what? Owl. Will Ferrell. I don't have Will Ferrell. Uh, that's surprising, Dan. I thought you would have elf things. All right, Dan. Oh, elf. Got it. Yeah. Right. I, the Jordan's favorite movie. My favorite movie of all time. All right. Jordan's all time. All time. Like, That's literally right. no movie I've ever seen is better than Elf. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? The, the, the movie Elf is my favorite color. That's right. It should be. All right. Uh, <laughs> Jordan, what's our top five this week? Our top five this week is must-see spots if a relative or friend visits Cleveland for the holidays. Jordan, All right. what's in your top five? My top five. I uh, realized that I made more of an adult top, not not in a weird way, like just yours like, is like more a, grown up. You're just like a non-holiday, like like if you have like friends, family, just just at any time in. of the year, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. The guy, I'm the one who came up with this idea, and I didn't even follow it, so that's cool. Uh, number five is very much in line with this, Crocker Park. Uh, sorry, it doesn't guys. have sorry. to just be Crocker Park. There's other outdoor malls. With cool yeah, lights and yeah. things, I can't. On the east, well, there's Belden Village, there's yes. Legacy Village, Legacy, Legacy Village. Village yeah. um, what's Pinecrest? Pinecrest is, is another side. great one. Um, anyhow, so well, you have the outlets in Lodi, right. uh, Aurora Farms, right. all, all that good stuff. So there's a lot of places. I specifically said Crocker just because I know it better, yeah. and they decorate the heck out of that place. Yeah, like you got a giant tree, right tree you got lights everywhere. It's beautiful. It's a great experience. Jimmy, have you um, ever been to Crocker Park? Did somebody say the Strongsville Mall? No, well, no, that's just a regular. Well, that's a regular. That's not, you know, that's like that's, no. That's I want. Like, I'm know. talking about like the that old fashioned. That might be fashioned. in somebody's top five. <laughs> Could Ooh, be. Foreshadowing. I'm, I'm talking about the old fashioned bundle up. Put your scarf. Put your hat. Put your gloves on. We're going shopping in the old style downtown, and we're gonna be outside, and we're gonna get hot cocoa, yeah. all Boy. that kind of stuff. So Crocker Park for holiday shopping. Number four. Um, I feel like a. Really great spot you got to show any visitor is Ohio City or Tremont. So I just put dinner or drinks 
in Ohio City or Tremont, there's a lot of nice places to go out for that kind of stuff. Um, kind of generic. But there's a lot of fun Christmassy things going on in those places too as well. Uh, number three, Great Lakes or Market Gardens Brewery Tour. I know there's more, and, and I actually have not done any other ones in Cleveland, but the Great Lakes and Market Garden Tours are awesome. The Great Lakes one dives into history, which is really cool. And the Market Garden one dives really deep and nerdy and sciency into how beer is made, especially how they do it. Uh, recommend it. It's like 12 or 15 bucks. I can't remember. It's not even a lot, and you, and you get a good amount of samples. Uh, number two, Cleveland Museum of Art, or really any museum, but that's my personal favorite. And every time I've shown a visitor, they're kind of blown away because it's a really good art museum. And number one is Westside Market. I can think of a few places that really scream Cleveland than Westside Market. It's just a great place. You can get snacks. You can get full meal, you know, full meals. You can get a Christmas meal there, briskets, they have hams, turkey, they have everything. Literally every type of meat, specialty meat, food you can get there. It's a great place. Christmas meats, right? Christmas meats, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah Christmas is one holiday where you don't have a, not everybody eats the same meat. You know, some Correct. people right, have right, turkey, right. some have ham, it's some more, have yeah. beef. Yeah, it's, Thanksgiving is some more... Some people do partridges. Right, well, <laughs> Thanksgiving is more traditional, like, okay, you have turkey, you have all the fixings right. that normally... I feel like Christmas is more almost like different based on like your ethnicity, right? Or yeah. even or even where you're from in the country. Like our Christmas yeah. growing up, our Christmas Eve meal was our grandma <coughs> tamales, and oh, yeah. we had other finger foods, you know. But the main highlight was my grandma yeah. made tamales. So yeah, for for us, <laughs> there you go. for us being Italian on on uh, well, most of my family is Roman Catholic on that side, so mm. a lot of times, you know, on. Uh, uh, well, during Lent on Fridays, you're not supposed to eat meat, but a lot of times on like Christmas, like they don't eat meat, and so like, oh, my yeah. well, they don't eat like red meat or something. So, oh, okay. Like yeah. my grandmother will make uh, a seafood pasta instead of like <laughs> like instead of like meatballs some, or something. Yeah, like something like that. Yeah, sure. yeah. So <laughs> growing up, I used to never eat that stuff. So she, for the kids, she would always make like a separate pot of just like regular pasta. So it was interesting. That's so interesting. I never really thought about that. Yeah. Just the different dishes. Like when I, like growing up, I and mean, we still do, Christmas Eve, we would do like a beef tenderloin, mashed potato, yeah. and beans. And then Christmas Day, it was always uh, pierogies and kielbasa. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like that was the thing. That was a staple. Yeah, Christmas. I think, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. You know, I think uh, Christmas is definitely more of an, even though everybody celebrates it, it's definitely more of like an ethnic holiday where, where each ethnicity has their own traditions for like the holidays and do their own things and you know stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. But uh, all right, who, who uh, Steve, you want to go next? Sure. Uh, so in my top five in fifth place, this actually used to be in North Ridgeville. It's now at the Cuyahoga County Fairgrounds. The uh, it's Cuyahoga County Fair. That's the Festival of Lights. Over 2 million lights oh, that you wow. can drive through, walk through, skateboard through, whatever the heck you want to do. Um, it's really a great display. Uh, it used to be at Victory Park in North Ridgeville. They've moved it to a more central location now. It's great. Uh, number four, South Park Center, Strongsville. The biggest, the best. It's tricked out. It's amazing. It is a great shopping mall, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and... 
it's our gleaming jewel of Strongsville commercialism. So yep. I got to put and that I, on there. I hate driving there. Uh, it's a pain in the ass to get in and out it's of the to park at in it's, December for it's sure. It's so bad. The stack up. Even 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 that even now is. that they widened the uh, the ramp, getting off seventy one on eighty two, <laughs> it's not any better. Yeah, just glad I don't commute that direction. Anymore. Oh God. Uh, number three, Severance Hall. If you've never seen the Cleveland Orchestra and you've never seen them at Christmas, I implore you to I knew, go. I knew him and I would have some overlapping. It is. Oh, it's just amazing, especially Christmas concert at Seven's Hall. I mean, you don't Christmas realize how great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just back in the days but, when. It's, but Severn's Hall is the pearl. I mean, oh, if yeah, you can't it's... if you can't do that, go to your local high school for their for oh, their winter yeah. concert. Love I mean, it. they're. Oh yeah, Strongsville, and they do fruitcake. Oh, and then at the end with the Hallelujah chorus. Oh. It's just, it's just incredible. You, I mean, you t- you brought it up as one of your favorite Christmas songs. Oh, Holly, of course, is magical. It's, oh, it's magical. Especially, you know, even 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 high school kids, high school orchestra, high school choir, but then like it's awesome because, and I went to the Strongsville one a couple years ago. Uh, obviously, I'm not a student there anymore, but just went there and sat and watched. And when uh, that first note hits. Everybody stands oh, up. Oh, that's the best part. That's the best part. <coughs> and everybody, everybody sings up. it because a lot of people that are in the audience either were parents of kids who were in, so they know it, or were in the choir themselves, so they know all right. the words. Nothing will get you in the Christmas spirit faster than that. Oh, I love it. I agree. So good. Number two, Playhouse Square. Uh, in okay. the same vein. That's another just, I mean, our theater district is the second biggest and best in the whole country behind yep. New York. It's a big selling point through most of the year, and especially so at Christmas, because you have a lot of traveling shows, like the New York City Rockettes come in, and oh yeah, uh, you know some some of the you know Christmas Story comes in, uh, the one Don't I can't remember. Mean Girls, oh, and Mean Girls. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that was was here like this past. Is week. it Wednesday? No, it's not Wednesday. I've no, never we actually. Wear I've, pink I've never Thursday. even seen that movie. Neither have I. Oh, what? We talked about this a few weeks ago, Jimmy. You might not have been here. And, and at number one... This is going to be interesting. The Christmas Story House. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. Yeah, okay. yeah not as exotic as you were thinking. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's I, pretty, just, I, I knew you and I were going to... It's the one have... big Christmas icon that is in Cleveland that basically everybody knows. Like yeah, it's it's our little tourist trap, but you know what? It's ours and it's great. So yeah. exactly. well, I mean, I mean, like exactly. fragile must be Italian. <laughs> no, I just like Christmas stories. Obviously, it's like the most popular Christmas mood, for better or worse. Because yeah. you know, if you've seen it, to to me, I don't even watch it on Christmas anymore because I've seen it so many times. <laughs> You're just like, like me in that aspect. Yeah, I mean, like I'm never gonna trash anybody who watches it just because. You know, it was filmed here, right. and the, the the house is here. It's in Tremont, right? Tremont, yeah, yeah it is. House. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. Tremont, yeah. <coughs> Which um, is funny because that's a popular spot again. Like right. for a while, it was kind of a weird place to. Oh go. yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, it's interesting though. I, I I had a feeling you and I and Jimmy. I'm not sure what your list looks like or if you have one because I told you about it like an hour ago. Um, but uh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought Steve and I were going to have some overlapping ones, but the ones that we have that are overlapping were not the ones I thought we were going to. So hmm. because we grew up in Strongsville together, I thought we were going to have the same one. And Jimmy, I'm interested to hear yours. So if you if you have a top five, go ahead. Yeah, I got mine. All right, go uh, ahead. Well, I'll go right from uh, Steve. 
I'm not going to uh, do it in any particular order, but I All do right. have the Christmas Story House as well yep. on mine. Um, I've never actually been there, but I plan on going this weekend uh, with my dad and my sister, so I will be there. Nice. Hmm. Um, I'm obviously a big fan of the movie, but I've never actually been in the house, so I'm excited to see that. Um, so that's one. And also, if you're in the area, go to Major Barbies. award. What's that? I said you're going to get a major award. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, also, get a uh, nice meal at Grumpy's right down the street. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I've been there. Uh, mm-hmm. I went there a few weeks ago. So good. Top notch. Uh, people just rave about it. Yeah, Top Grumpy's notch. and like Lucky's, really any of those places. Um, there's a ton of good brunch options that I've yeah, kind of found there out. Really in Cleveland. Is. Yep. So if you're in the area, Grumpy's, if you're going to go see the Christmas Story house, uh, number three, I have the arcade in like East Fourth area. Oh yeah, right yeah. Down there. Good option. Uh, the arcade, they deck it out uh, around the holidays. It's really pretty. Really good photo ops there. Uh, I'm sure you can see any basic Instagrammer. Uh, they have pictures of um, me included uh, at the arcade. <laughs> uh, East Fourth as well. They deck that out. Uh, there's pop up bars all around there. There's lake effects. So if you have family coming in, definitely go check out those places. Uh, speaking of pop-up bars, not really pop-up, but around the corner. Oh, thanks yeah. To, thanks to Dan and George for taking me for my very first time yep. around the corner in Lakewood. The Christmas uh, bar. Christmas bar, so much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, although a little crowded, definitely worth it. I've never experienced anything like that where they just play Christmas music and everybody kind of sings along. So you should have, not, not to cut you off real quick, but I agree that's why I love it so much, but you should have seen it last year, dude. Like, literally everyone was singing last year. This year, a lot of people were talking, but when we went last year, like, I kid you not, the whole, like, they sang Silent Night, Angels We Have Heard on High, like, all these, like, deep, old Christmas carols, and the whole place was singing. Like, you would have thought you were in church. Like, it was crazy. When did did you... When did you go last year? We, like I mean, it was probably it was probably around the same time, maybe a little later. No, it was a little earlier, actually. Yeah, actually, no, he's right. It may have been earlier. It might have been a week earlier. It was just it was just one of those nights where you probably had a group of kids that just really love Christmas carols and, yeah, yeah. and just got everything going. But but I'm glad you enjoyed it because it's a very a fun, fun thing to do for sure. Absolutely, and then uh, so that's four I have, and then the fifth one um, I have Public Square. They oh, had that yeah. light up. I know they had the event a few weeks back, so that was kind of the big thing. But I guess you could go to any of like, like Crocker Park. Uh, I know you mentioned Legacy Village, Pinecrest. Mm-hmm. They have all these crazy displays. They really deck it out uh, for the holiday season. The public oh, yeah. is something about it, too. It's very, it's really beautiful at night, especially. So if you're in the area, uh, the arcade, East Fourth, check out Public Square, any pop up bars. So. Primarily because I'm right downtown all the time, so that's what I'm yeah. familiar with, you know. For sure. Yes, all right. I am ashamed of both of you. Not you, because oh. you're not from there. Oh, boy. You strong civilians. Okay, I'll get this one out of the way. We both had this. Chalet, probably. No. Well, that that's not why. So the Christmas Story House, which we both had. Dan would never get out of toboggan, so that's not going to be. Well, it's on my list, but yeah, I... I yeah. <laughs> um, this is why I'm ashamed of both of you. The house light shows on Crown Point Parkway in Chandler Commons was not on either of your lists. Oh, stop. What? Those houses are pretty spectacular. Yeah, I, I, I will admit. Cool. Like, there are, like, 
especially, I don't know if it's that much now, but when we were growing up, there used to be lines of cars a mile down the street to drive through that street just to see all those houses and all the lights. Like, and I'm not kidding. You've probably never seen I've it. I've never seen it. It's, no. you can Google it. It's, it's like, it will pop up on Google. Like, yeah, they like light up houses is. and strong. It's okay. insane. It's like uh, Christmas Vacation where Clark Griswold does like, his it's house. It's like that It's every house. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, like okay. Every house in the cul-de-sac. Literally. Oh, I got to check this place out. Yeah. It's, it's like a cool, like, like, figure out a place to go get something to eat in Strongsville one night, like on a Friday night or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then go drive down there. Like okay. After. Sure. It's it's awesome. So I'm ashamed of both of you. Mm. Anyway, number three, <laughs> number three for me, like Steve said, a holiday concert or show, most notably a Playhouse Square, Severance Hall, um, whether that be a play or going to see the orchestra or mm-hmm. choir or something like that. Um, number two, the Toboggan Shoots, the Chalet, uh, which is in Strongsville in the Metro Parks. And then number one is the Christmas lights, most notably the actual lighting ceremony uh, on Public Square when they light up all the lights, the Christmas tree and all that, which was, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Winterfest. Yeah, Winterfest. Winter <coughs> yeah, winter That's mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that is my top five. Awesome. All right. Uh, let's talk about the poll of the week. This is not a Christmas-themed poll of the week, but Jimmy desperately wanted to talk about this, and uh, so we put it up as a poll. Uh, Steve, you're not gonna like, you're not gonna like this poll, but um, <laughs> really, I don't even know what it is. Hot fries or flaming hot Cheetos? What's better? Well, I'll give my two cents. Flaming hot Cheetos any day. Did you hear that, Jimmy? Oh yeah, I heard it. What do you think, I'm Jimmy? Letting, I'm letting it marinate. I'm letting um, it marinate. Lit. Lit. <laughs> big fan, big fan of both, but. Hot fries just hit different, Jordan. Something about it. They just hit Maybe different. Because... I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. I think the, the, the hot Cheetos, especially you get the crunchy ones, man. There's just something about that crunch and the spice. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just you enjoy a... having your fingers dyed red for like a day. Like the fries also don't dye your fingers. Like it's they all don't. the same. I promise you they don't. I have a lot of experience with both. I grew up on hot fries, and then once I hit – like high school, college, I was obsessed with flaming hots. So I have, I've eaten a disgusting amount of both. <laughs> unhealthy amount of both. And I can tell you, hot fries trump uh, flaming hots. Well, this is not a political podcast, Jimmy. What's wrong with you? Yeah, let's not use oh, that word. Oh, my bad. My bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How dare you? I, okay, I mean, you know, to each his own, but I, I personally love the crunch of the hot Cheetos, but that's just me. Dan, what are you? What you are fake news. <laughs> Do you have I any? Um, we're not a political podcast. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I also am a fan of both, but I'm not going to ride the fence here. Uh, I got to go with flaming hot Cheetos. Fuck yeah. Um, I will if if hot fries are available, I will get those. Also like true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't go wrong with flaming hot Cheetos, which is interesting too, because this is a, uh, this is a controversial topic with among my brothers. Because Anthony loves hot fries, and Mike swears by Flaming Hot Cheetos. Like, we would, growing up, we would always have, uh, for whatever reason, Mike's like a spicy snack uh, kid, so we would always have to have either uh, spicier nacho Doritos or Flaming Hot Cheetos in our pantry all the time. That's exactly how I was, except with hot fries. My yeah. dad would always go to Sam's Club, like, every week or every other week, and they had these 
like huge boxes of hot fries for pretty cheap and they would just buy them in bulk and me and my friends would just scarf them down <laughs> yeah a disgusting amount like it's really really unhealthy to be honest yeah like when we were growing up anytime my mom went to the grocery store and she would like get like snacks and stuff for for us to like pack our lunches she would get like a regular bag of uh doritos and then get the spicier nacho ones for for mike because you love oh, them so much so oh yeah no you you mentioned the lunches you want to hear something kind of gross which you know what don't knock it till you try it but putting them on uh, your sandwich oh ham sandwich with hot fries on top Woo! <laughs> oh my god i never really got I, into that I, you know you know, I, I did that a couple times yeah that's not bad <laughs> you know a lot of people uh talk about like especially like regular original lays like putting those on your sandwich and eating them just for like that i also did that it. yeah i also did that by the way screw the ravens i hate the ravens was it 14 nothing i'm sorry i'm you not didn't happen to I'm see not. what happened on the prior possession no the jets had a field goal blocked and of course they sam did. donald happened to be looking at his tablet at the time on the bench and he just chucked it like a frisbee off of course the side did. after it got yeah, blocked I, <laughs> as a neutral i'm a huge fan of lamar jackson so yeah well lamar jackson will probably knock your team out of the playoffs and, and you know what if they get there if he does that he does that and he's that might a baller. be a preview for so, the next segment yeah we're gonna talk about it but uh but anyway what what were the uh what were the poll results because oh. I want to, I want to fire up Jimmy right now because he's a hot fry guy. Uh, the poll results: Twitter, fifty-two percent hot Cheetos, forty-eight percent hot fries. Uh, get, say it right: flaming hot Cheetos, not just oh, hot Cheetos. Well, you know, flaming I mean. hots or flaming hot Cheetos. Sixty-one percent. Hey Jimmy, have you ever had a hot Cheeto? <laughs> sixty-one of her Facebook, sixty-one percent flaming hot Cheetos, thirty-nine percent hot fries. So pretty close. It's all. It was almost half and half, honestly. I am kind of flaming hot. Are so much more, uh, just like, what's 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 what am I looking for? Just mainstream. I think they're so mainstream compared to hot fries. Like people don't think twice about hot fries. But it doesn't mean they're not good. Right. Well, you know, flaming hot Cheetos was was made off of the back of just regular Cheetos, which I know is Steve's one of Steve's favorite snacks. Just regular Cheetos, and like hot fries. Hot fries doesn't have that. I'm not so, even going to lie. I can't mess with regular Cheetos. I can't do it. Not a fan. Well, once you have hot, flaming hot Cheetos, it's like, yeah, you don't want to go back to yeah. regular you Cheetos. Can't. You can't. Oh, I, I, I can, though. I can. If that's all there is, I will gladly eat regular Cheetos. I think I'm going to go out and get a bag of each tonight and see what happens. Like yeah, hot should. fries and flaming hot Cheetos. Agreed. See what happens. Just Let's just see what happens. Hot. We are flaming hot. I, mean, I only have a half day of work tomorrow. So. Oh, uh. I'm off. So oh, oh, cool! This is my Friday. Great, awesome, yeah, cool. <laughs> we have our uh, we have our Christmas luncheon at work, so. Oh, I they, also uh, have my luncheon, but I don't technically have to work, so. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that sounds uh, like fun. They're letting us go at at lunchtime, paid. So it's like noise. It's like a free half day. That's cool. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah. That is our poll of the week. All right, so let's uh, jump right into Jimmy in the CLE, uh, not Jimmy in the CLE, because <laughs> that sounds dumb. So, uh, James, uh, what's been going? Yeah, J- uh, Jim, J- James, Jim, 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 Jimothy, Jimothy, Jimothy. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so what's been going on, man, in the CLE? You're 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 fully entrenched in your internship now. Uh, you've uh, what 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 have you been uh, doing 
uh, down there, and uh, what's kind of caught your caught your eye, caught your uh, taste buds, if you will. Yeah, man. Uh, so I've been getting away. It seems like my routine when I first started this internship, I would always just kind of not stray away from what I know. I would go to Chipotle or Jimmy John's or something. But then I got to uh, Heinen's. I would go to their like little build a bowl station or whatever. Oh, so yeah. yeah. there all the time. And then walking to Heinen's, uh, there's a couple of coffee shops nearby. Yep. So I really started out, started out at a poor which is right down there Excellent. and fourth uh there's lake erie coffee company which i kind of transitioned to there but recently i have found my new favorite coffee place in the city of cleveland and uh trump's rising star and it trump's poor and much better than lake erie i still love all of them but i have been going to phoenix coffee oh nice okay okay <laughs> You know, I take offense to you saying it trumps Rising Star, but I agree. But I, we'll we'll let me we'll hear you out. Let's hear you out. Yeah. Listen, I think Rising Star, at least Dan, the one we went to, which was where Ohio City. Yeah. Right was, next to yeah. right next to Saucy. Yeah, that was a cool environment. Definitely better than uh, Phoenix's environment, but it's a little smaller at Phoenix Coffee. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, I had a peppermint mocha which you know you can't just make a Ooh. Uh, you, you can't you can't make a decision off of just one drink that's so real basic of you jimmy <laughs> i know very very basic but it was the best thing i've ever had uh, see i was expecting you i was mm-hmm. expecting you to be like the coffee the roast is like perfectly mm, roasted yes. With your and, nose sticking straight yeah, up in the air. But here, here we're talking about peppermint mochas. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, okay. So that was my first thing because it was on a big sign. But you know what? I'm in the holiday spirit. This looks good. Serve it up. So get okay. that. And then I went back the next time to just get a black coffee that was phenomenal. Oh, now we're talking. Um, okay. okay. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, and then the third time they have this thing called the Mexicoco, which is hot chocolate but mixed with like cayenne pepper or something Ooh, spicy. Okay, now that that, oh, that does spicy. sound really good. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, me and my coworker uh, Justin, we get it uh, every day. Like when I'm down there. Shout and, out! Shout out, Justin! By the way, uh, at, at Dusty Clee, uh, it, it tastes like hot chocolate, and then literally a second after, it's a little spicy kick. I like that. Interesting. Like a Mexican hot chocolate. That's oh what he said. No, no, right. So oh, good. yeah. He said yeah. it's called Mexicoco. Mexico. I guess that would also mean Mexican hot Yeah, get off your yeah. phone. <laughs> Everyone look at yes. me. So, phenomenal. So, Phoenix Coffee stole my heart, uh, but I will try some more places down there. I'm not sticking to them, but they are my number one right now. Wow. Okay, okay. And, and you've hit up, you up a good amount of them, because like you said, you've been to Rising Star. Uh, you've been to Erie Island, right? Or Erie... Lake Erie, yeah. Lake Erie. You know, Erie. Jimmy, there's also a, a, a really cool Phoenix coffee spot in Ohio City, you know. Yeah, they actually that's have a, they have a yeah, few locations. I actually prefer the – I think the Ohio City one's better than the downtown one, but that's just me. I agree with that with yeah, Rising I Star. One, mm-hmm. I went to the one on East 9th, and then there's one in the Warehouse District as well. Yeah. yeah. So just the people there, the workers are very cool. Oh, very, I'm sure, I'm sure. Engaging. Yeah, in like um, the first time I went in there – uh, it was three workers, and they were talking about Baby Yoda. And I was like, all right, Aww. this is place. This is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. This is hilarious. I'm like, I already like this place. We need to, it's like, post cool up. Vibes. We need to, like, content-wise, we need to, like, post we a picture. We need to get into that Baby Yoda. We, no, we need to, like, post a picture of Baby Yoda wearing an LOTL hat or something Ooh, like that. Something like that. 
Photoshop guy do that. I yeah. Can get into it. Yeah. yeah. There you go. For sure. Um, so but... that's. Uh, I guess that might be it for Jimmy and the CLE. Look at that. I'll okay. Coffee for this guy. It's a coffee it's man. Finals week, you know. Inject him with the IV of caffeine. Inject. <laughs> And uh, what's that? Oh, injected into my veins. Those people say injected on like Twitter, like when when somebody hit makes a big somebody makes a big uh, basketball yeah, basket yeah, yeah. against or, the team they hate, or something. or like uh, like a Cleveland athlete says something cool about Cleveland. They're like, right, oh, right. injected into my veins. He's he gets us. Like, like, like his the gets us meter is off the charts or something like that. <laughs> Cleveland's big on that. Yeah, I, I, I am. I'm one of the biggest culprits of that. So, and, and it's annoying as hell. I, I, also true. Yeah. But all right. <clears throat> cool. So uh, yeah, Jimmy's gonna have to drop off here in a few minutes. So Jimmy, whenever you got to do that, just interrupt just, us. Just and scream. Say bye. bye. Like just scream. Okay. <laughs> yeah. For sure. But uh. Let's uh, let's get into it. And talk a little sports here before we uh, kind of wrap up the episode with a couple of uh, newsworthy newsworthy notes. Mm. Um, I'm interested to get your take on this, Steve. All of the let's talk a little Indians here. We we kind of talked about it last week, but we actually have some substance to the trade rumors now. So these Lindor trade rumors they're real. They're not just being talked about they're they're real the indians and the dodgers are talking and supposedly they're pretty far down the line with talks um and you know it's more real too <coughs> that a couple big names already went so you know the dodgers are looking to pick somebody right. up especially right. now right so. um yeah so it is uh it's interesting uh when you talk about it um jimmy actually just dropped dropped off now so bye jimmy bye jimmy bye jimmy uh, I know I texted you in our, our text chat thread um, with our brothers and uh, about the the supposed package that's on the table. Um, right now, the, the one that's confirmed that we know about is Gavin Lux uh, and Dustin May, who are uh, the two top prospects in the Dodgers organization um, for Lindor. That we know. Uh, Bob Nightingale reported that. Uh, that those are the prospects zeroing in on. There was a reporter out of Atlanta who's a baseball reporter who said that Alex Verdugo is also being included in those talks. And to me, I'll say this right now, if the if the L.A. Dodgers offered the Indians Gavin Lux, Dustin May, and Alex Verdugo, I, I, I can't say no to that trade offer. I just can't. You think? Yeah. You think that 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 gives enough for Lindor? Those are see I think it does in the context of you only have one more year with Lindor and if you take him to opening day I don't see a scenario where he gets moved at the train deadline unless Well technically two have, two more years. Unless the Indians So he doesn't become a free such, agent until after next year. I thought it was this year. No. His stock value probably goes. He has down, two though. year two years left of team control. Mm-hmm. What his stock price? But goes down, right, right, the yeah. the the more you wait, the right. the less right. you know you can get for him. I guess it just depends on. See now, this is going to change my viewpoint on this a little bit. I thought he was in the last year of his contract. Nope. Um, and I was going to say that if he is, you might as well move him if you get that good of a package. If but you were yeah, if you, now, if you were in the last year of his contract, yeah, he question, would have already been traded in my opinion. The question is. I mean, how 
I mean, the American League is really strong with the Yankees, the Astros, and these other teams out there. Minnesota, I don't know if Minnesota was a flash in the pan this year or if they're going to come back. We'll find out. I think what the Indians do, I think a lot has to do with how they, whether they think the Twins are a flash in the pan or if they're really going to be good for a long time. If they really Mm. think they're going to be good for a long time, they probably would be more apt to move Lindor at this point. If they really think that they're all in for a title in 2020, then they're going to wait, and unless if somebody gives them the moon, they're not going to trade them. Right. But what's interesting is is if that that, uh, package that that Atlanta writer uh, came out with, do you consider that to be the moon? It might be. You do get three really good prospects who all have major league experience. Yeah. I mean, that's... It's about as good as you're going to get. And with three guys, you know, chances are one of them might not turn out to be good or maybe even two if, if, if you're really unlucky, but not three. Right. You're going to get at least one really quality player out of that. Yeah. If not two. And if you get three, well, you may have really just hit the jackpot. <clears throat> I, I'm not a GM. I would like to see, but I would like to see at least one established player in that mix. I just, I, I yeah. would. You're giving away Lindor. Lindor is worth, the, the based off of the contracts you're seeing right now, he, he's a, an over $300 million player. And, oh, and I think you can fleece a team like the Dodgers for something like that. If you want him, then give us give us stuff for him. Uh, you know, I, I, I respect and understand the prospects. I get that. I generally... You know, if they're that highly rated and regarded, they're probably going to be good. Yeah. But I don't understand why you're going to trade your best player for just a, just prospects. Give me an established player as well, and then we'll talk. That that's just me. That's yeah. just me. You know, I'm not a right. baseball is probably the sport I know the least about. Yeah. If I have to be perfectly honest, so maybe I'm ignorant about this, but that's just my. Well, two I think cents. I think for me, what makes what makes it acceptable to me is yeah, all the these three guys are all prospects, but all three of them have major league experience now. None of them are like That's true. That none of true. them are like single A players that you right. know you're gonna have to wait two years to see them. Like these guys are all prospects. All three of these guys will make the Indians major league roster coming out of training camp. All three of them. And <clears throat> Gavin Lux is the number two rated prospect in all of baseball. So I didn't know that, but he's yeah. he's a guy like He's considered to be like a Lindor, like a, for you, like a Bregman. Like yeah, a, somebody like that. Like a Altuve or something, you know, uh, somebody else, you know, whatever. Top tier, yeah. Yeah. And um, like number two in all of, he's the Dodgers top prospect and he's the number two rated prospect in all of baseball. Hmm. Um, Dustin May is probably the second uh, prospect in the Dodgers organization. He's projected and yeah it's projections it's you it's you don't know it's it's not tangible yet but he's projected to be a top of the top of the line starter in baseball Mm -hmm. um so some would say that the indians don't really need a top of the line starter because they're starting pitching so it's actually pretty good right but you can never have enough starting pitching in baseball well especially i don't know if you saw that one report that the angels are maybe trying to get kluber right which if that's the case then to me, like I don't view Kluber like I did last year. True. Because to me, True. if you trade Kluber this off, would I lo- would I love to have Corey Kluber back? Yeah, 100%. absolutely. Yeah, you would. If they win. trade Corey Kluber, 
it doesn't really do anything to me because he didn't pitch last year. So, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm y'all not, still had decent pitch. I'm not losing anything, part. right? So we still have Clevenger, we still have Bieber, we still have Carrasco, we still have, you know, Savali came on really good. And if you add Dustin May into that mix, like, that's you put that up against any starting staff in Major League Baseball. I would absolutely trade Corey Kluber right now. Yeah. Oh, no, I agree with that. You got to from a position of strength with Well, with and you could probably get a lot out of that. And if, also if because really it, desperate it for takes $15 million off of your salary. And and we know the Indians are trying to cut salary again, which is a whole other discussion. You, you know, this whole thing with trading Lindor, getting three prospects back, honestly – the way the Indians have to play is the way they've been doing it, where they have these control over these guys for a long yeah. period. You have a consistently young core that doesn't get to a point where they where they outprice your right. your ability to spend. That's the way they, I hate it, but that's the reality for the Indians and a lot of smaller teams in MLB. They have to play it that way. You look at teams like Philadelphia, teams like San Diego, who spent. $25, $30 million on one player in this yeah. last offseason. Where are they now? They didn't make the playoffs. Right. They didn't get they didn't, some of, I don't even think San Diego had a winning record. Oh, you know, who else did that? So, the Angels. Yeah. yeah, another example. So that's not the road the Indians want to go down. <clears throat> the Angels, they can, sign any, they can sign any position player they want. They're not going to go anywhere until they start getting some pitching, which is why they're interested in trading for Kluber. That's correct. Um, Whenever you know, that getting correct. Rendon for them is nice, but but it doesn't do anything. To, to, like for them, it's more important for them to trade for a guy like Corey Kluber because if they mm-hmm. sign Rendon and then trade for Corey Kluber, okay, then you got to start taking them seriously. Right yeah, now, no, I, just like, I, I agree. With right that. now, it's just like okay, they still don't have any starting pitching, so They'll it doesn't still matter. Still be eighty-one and eighty-one. Right. Not so. to hijack this at all, but Garrett Cole just went from the Astros to oh, the Yankees. God. You know what? Go. It's not you know how much he's making much every pitch next season? You said like if a he million, throws the right? same amount of pitches? Or, oh, not every pitch. He's going to be making a million dollars. If he stays if he stays 100% healthy, he will make a million dollars per start. A game. Or it's or about $10,000 a pitch. That's insanity. I don't even want to talk about that. <coughs> That's crazy. Screw the Yankees. You know what, though? Take them. We got Lance McCullers Jr. coming back. It's all good. Go. Yeah. I mean, it's, not worth, it's not worth devastating your roster to... To sign a dude for nine years, the, the Yankees can do that. Yeah, well, and that's, you know that's, what? That's the reason he went to the Yankees, right? And, and you know what? If you know they, who, you know, it was the second team, and that was the Dodgers. I thought it was the Angels. Well, the Dodgers and the Angels. Dodgers, but the Dodgers, the Angels offered eight years and under three hundred million. The Dodgers offered eight years and around three hundred million. The thing that put it over the top was the Yankees offering the ninth year. Neither you know, of those two teams I, are willing to go nine years. I think that the Dodgers probably do the right <coughs> thing there. I, I hate to say it, I, I, you know, it might work out for the Yankees because they already have a decent team. But yeah. but I, for the Dodgers, it doesn't make any sense to do that. Yeah. But um, that's just that's just me. Yeah, I think um, honestly, if if the, if the Dodgers. Are going to offer those? Those are the Dodgers' three top prospects that they mm. have in their system. Is Gavin Lux, who's the number two prospect overall? Dustin mm. May, who's a potential top of the line starting mm. pitcher. The guy's six six and he throws like ninety seven miles an hour. Oh wow! Um, and he's got fiery red hair. Like oh, it's that guy. He looks like Carrot. It's top. that guy. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that's who we were talking yeah. about. Oh wow! Dialed okay. on the center with one eight hundred C A L L A T T. Yeah, exactly. Sweet for you and cheap for them. Um, yeah, shout out AT and T if you want to sponsor the show. Um, but this portion of the show is sponsored by AT and T. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, him and then Verdugo, who's 
he he played in 100 games for the Dodgers last year, and he batted almost 300. So did not know that. Um, so he's a guy, and especially he plays in the outfield. And the Indians desperately need outfield help. So you, side note, just want to throw this out there. Do you know Tim Ruiz? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should have him on the show if this trade goes through. That'd yeah. be a fun episode. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> Actually, I don't know who Tim Ruiz is, but you know Maggie. Uh, Maggie. Yeah. It's her boyfriend. Oh. Okay. He's a diehard Dodgers fan. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Anyways, I, I just yeah. side note that would be a fun interview. If we I I do it. think though if the Indians trade um if the Indians trade Lindor before the season starts it, it's going to be the Dodgers because the Dodgers have the prospects. Um, people talk about like. Other teams getting into it, like the Angels. The Angels don't have prospects to offer the Indians. That would that would make sense for to trade for Lindor. People talk about um, the Yankees now that uh, now that Didi Gregorius left. Okay, were you surprised by that? By the way, uh, I was a little bit because I think I do think the the, the Yankees are going to talk try and talk to the Indians about oh I, you know about that, Lindor, but I, I can't. But he goes to the, I don't think oh, the Indians please, would entertain please. trading him to I think, another American no, league. See, yeah, see, I, see, this is, any, I, I would I would celebrate him going <coughs> to the Dodgers if it means he doesn't go to the Yankees. This is where I think the, the Indians are being smart is to seriously entertain trading him this offseason because they deal in complete power of strength right now. Because right. Yeah. he has two years left on his contract, so the Indians don't have to trade him. And number two, they don't have to get desperate with teams, so they could say, oh, if any team from the AL, well, especially the AL Central, like say if the White Sox came calling or something like that. But, <laughs> but listen, anyway, I'm saying, of course they're not going to trade into an AL Central team. No, 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 I understand. But I just, any team in the AL. Laugh, I was just laughing at the White right, Sox. Like say the Texas Rangers could make, could make a play for, for Lindor. Mm. <laughs> right. Uh, they're going into a brand new ballpark. You think they'd want to take a superstar with them into that new ballpark? Absolutely. Did you see how low their bid was for Cole? Oh, it was well, insanely low. Whatever. He wasn't. Anyways, yeah. yeah, I think they were just trying to just say like, "Oh yeah, we put in over him," <laughs> like the Indians do all the time. Oh yeah, we were we were really close to making a trade, but blah blah blah. Yeah, like the Astros made it. <coughs> we all knew it was fake, but they're yeah. like, "Oh, we put a qualifying offer for Cole." Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. Um, fake. Um, but. Like I'm saying, the Indians right now deal from a position of strength where they can dictate where they, right. no, where they have for their sure. conversations. Sure. So that's why you're hearing right now more pronounced than anybody else is the Dodgers because, number one, you're getting Lindor out of the AL where you you pretty much never have to see him. You only you only see him a handful of interleague times play, the year. Interleague and play and, if, the, and if potentially you guys the, World make the World Series. Yeah, right, exactly. It. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's... I think it's smart for the Indians to seriously talk because the Indians know, and us as fans, we can dream, but we know that the Indians aren't going to sign him, or or they're not going to make a good faith contract offer to him that's consistent with market value. So it it's best to trade him while you can get the most for him. So if that's right now, if the Dodgers put that, if the Dodger, we don't we don't know if the Dodgers officially offered that, right? But if they did. To me, would I rather take out one of those prospects, like take out Verdugo and put in uh, Cody Bellinger? Of course. But the Dodgers aren't trading us the NL MVP. <laughs> That'd be so awesome. We should have traded Corey Kluber for him last year when his value was oh, down. Oh, my goodness. You imagine? Oh, I don't want to. Yeah, that's crazy. But anyway, yeah, anyway. Uh, I, I contend that, that the Indians... Because we didn't know Corey Kluber would have his arm broken by a line drive. Right, right, exactly. Right. But I would contend that the Indians might have... Been a serious contender to go to the World Series if if you, if you, if you, if you yeah. keep if you keep the pitching the way it was and you add Bellinger to the lineup right 
once we traded Bauer and got Puig and Reyes and all Oh my that, goodness, you're right. I never like the lineup would have yeah. been insane. You would have, you would have shuffled the yeah, lineup so well. It's easy to so say well. now because right. I mean, that 12 months ago, you didn't know Shane Bieber would be this good. You didn't know exactly. Eric Zavala would be this I mean, good. Baseball's so weird. Like, I mean, <coughs> we all forget, do you get, just to throw this out there, the Nats were 15 and 31 at one point. Oh, terrible. Year. It's, un, it's terrible. just unbelievable. They were on the, they were on the losing Bryce Harper it's uh, hangover. unbelievable but, how whack baseball yeah. can be sometimes. It just goes to show you because I had thought all along, well, whoever wins the AL is clearly going to win the title. And even and even but though it, even it, though they lost uh, Rendon, they're still going to be a contender next year because they resigned yeah. Strasburg, right? And right. they still have Juan Soto, who's going who's going to continue to get better and better. Years, at least it just boils down to whatever team is hot in October. Absolutely, yeah, that's, that's what it always. Whoever has, you got to get to the tournament. You have to win enough games to get yeah. to the tournament. Whoever has it, the it's hottest, like the NCAA basketball tournament. Whoever's playing the best. At, March, MLB is very is much the hottest, <laughs> and it literally doesn't matter who they are. It could be anybody. It could be yeah. literally anybody in the, right. in the postseason, and, and yeah. they can win the World Series. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I I think if that offers on the table or anything close to that offers on the table, I think the Indians need to really pull seriously yeah. pull the trigger. I don't, I, don't think that, I don't think that you can wait on something like that. Um, but, you know, we'll see what they do. Generally, the Indians don't make bad trades. You can say what they want about them spending money. Would you agree with this, Steve? Generally, the Indians don't make bad trades. Generally, no. Trading is where they've they've yeah. done really well. I mean, yeah. even since the Shapiro era, right? I mean, they, yeah. When they make they a trade, trade, usually like like you take the Bauer trade, they definitely won the Bauer oh, trade. Oh, hundred percent, no um, doubt. They've got a cleanup. They've got a cleanup hitter in the middle of their lineup for the next six years. Right. Who's going to hit forty home runs every year? So, you take that over a pitcher who was hot and cold and right. was not going to resign with you anyway. So, <clears throat> so but uh, yeah, so much for that. Uh, Browns, real quick. Don't I don't really have much to talk about. I did want to I did want to go through with Steve the uh, playoff scenarios. The Browns are still technically alive for the playoffs, as crazy as that is. And if they win Sunday, nothing that happens with any other team changes that. The, the Browns. The only thing that can happen is their chances improve uh, oh, if they I win see. on Sunday. So, what is really interesting, and I know you're not going to want to talk about this or want to hear it. No, I mean, um, I'm already aware of what the it is. the Houston Texans laying that giant ass egg against the Denver Broncos unlocked another door for the Browns to possibly back into the playoffs because I didn't realize this until like a, a day or so ago. The Texans and the Titans still played twice out of the last they, two three games, and the, and the Titans are like the hottest team in football right now. They both have the same record, and yeah, both and teams are eight and five. Literally, whoever wins this game is is winning the division. It's it's hard. It's, it's hard. Pretty yeah, it's much hard. that, especially with Indianapolis having gone <laughs> down the last couple of weeks, right, uh, right. And sitting at six and seven. The Browns are I, above Indianapolis in the tiebreakers. They're also above Oakland, who's also six and seven. I am like dreading this game, and you would understand. You guys being Browns fans, this oh. is like playing the Ravens. Like that's what it is. Yeah. Like that's what the Titans are to the Texans. Yep. The Texans, the Titans are the reason why I didn't give a crap about football for decade like right. most of my life because right. we didn't have a team right yeah. literally the titans were so, the oilers and yeah it, it has it. amused me over the years that that texans titans rivalry is not seen as a more fierce rivalry league-wide yeah i think it's just it is and it isn't you got a lot of weirdos from houston who are still like oh the, i still like the oilers and you're like okay yeah. whatever like sure. also, also i think it's because neither team has really like Neither team has really been a Super Bowl contender. That's like same, like right. both well, both of those Tennessee teams. Tennessee was what like the two thousands. Yeah, but yeah, I mean they yeah. went to the Super Bowl in ninety nine. Yeah. But but like usually those teams are 
floating around 500, 9 and 7. That that's eight one eight. of the goofiest divisions in the whole yeah. NFL. Like it's so inflated. But like but like at least like the Ravens are a more hated team because like they've won the Super Bowl twice. Well, like, yeah. No, no. They I make mean, the playoffs almost every year. To be year. fair, Ravens Browns rivalry is way <coughs> sharper than yeah. Texans Titans, oh, but I almost hate the Ravens more than I hate the Steelers and you know yeah. how much I hate the Steelers. Some of that is a function of the fact that fans in the north just like football more than Pro football more than in the South. Ooh, I don't know about True. that. Well, I don't know about Texas. Well, not Texas. Pro, I don't know about pro Texas. football was, but was created in I, I would, Ohio and I would, Pennsylvania. I would agree with you, except for Texas, I think, is in another category. I, like, that's I, life down Yeah, there. I do think, though, that uh, high school and college is, is more Is bigger in Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's but, true. yeah, there, there are those Cowboys. Yeah, freaks. you'll get... No, but you'll get, like, people just crying in the street if the Longhorns or Aggies lose a game. Right. But, like, you know, people will be like, ah, same old Texans. Like, yeah. you know, it's, Texas is the high school football capital of the U.S. That, no too. Doubt. No, they literally um, have, like, stadiums that are bigger than some yeah. college. You know, stadium. just, I mean, you look at the big programs you just mentioned, some of them, Texas, Texas A&M, there's, uh, Baylor. Baylor, to even yeah. Tech and TCU at times. Yeah. You know. There's, I would say, probably the top three areas for high school football. Well, look is, how many OSU players come from Texas. Well, Texas, Southern California, and yeah. Ohio yeah. are the three biggest That's the three for hot, exactly. high yeah. school football. You could say the Southeast with Florida, and, and well, I think even Georgia is getting as big as Florida is for high school football. I hate to admit this, but Baker Mayfield's a Texan. Yeah. He grew up and five I, minutes and, outside of Austin. And, and you know my thoughts on Baker, and I, I don't right. like him because he's from right. Oklahoma, but he's a Texan. Yeah. He, he should have gone to UT, but, you know. They didn't offer him. That program's going in a good direction, right? Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, all I know. This guy's the only team to play LSU within a time <laughs> this year. So I guess they got that's, a feather that's, in their cap. Yeah. Because the offense was good at some points this year. Yeah. But that's all in the discussion. Yeah. We're um, back. Yeah, that's, that, <laughs> that was one of the worst. <laughs> anyway. Lowest um, points in, but, in Longhorns history. Uh, when I say this, that the Browns have a chance, I say this with a, with, a, with a caveat because none of this matters unless the Browns win their last three games. Yeah. That and, is, and and oh, one of those that's three, the prerequisite. And one of those three games is against the team that's playing right now, and that's Baltimore. So, um, the Browns, I think, can get into the playoffs if uh, either Houston sweeps Tennessee. Well, Tennessee would Tennessee would have to lose out. So that's why I think most. Browns, I think the, I think the seed isn't it split. Didn't wait. They still have to play each other. Twice. No. So so the reason the reason why I say that about yeah. the Titans. Is because the Titans hold the tiebreaker over the Browns. So if the Titans win one game out of their last three, that's it. That's it. The Browns can't jump them, and Buffalo is not going to lose their last three no, games. They've so, proven themselves to be decent. So really, uh, I it think would really be I think Browns fans Browns fans are actually I think rooting for the Titans to sweep the Texans because then the tech, the Titans go up into the division spot. Talk to the hand. Well, I I know I I get it, but <laughs> but say if if the Browns and the and the Texans both finish nine and seven, the Browns I think would go above the Texans because they have a better conference record. Yes, or they will. Uh yeah, no, <coughs> I think you're correct. Browns yeah. would beat out anybody on conference record because they've they've lost all three games against so the NFC. The, so the easiest path is the Browns are going to root the Brown Browns and Browns fans. Sorry, Jordan are going to root no, for the Titans okay. to beat the Texans both times, and. They also need the Steelers to lose two out of their last three. Or alternatively, they could have Buffalo lose out. 
or have Buffalo lose out. Which the Bills. So if you look at the Bills, they have to they have to go to Pittsburgh this week. They have to then go to New England. If the Bills can't it's beat Pittsburgh, pretty right? rough those two games. Their final home I game is a Pittsburgh, home game man. against the Jets. So they're winning with a guy named Duck as their quarterback. Like seriously. It's coaching, man. It's coaching. Uh, coaching and right, defense. Right, right. And Their that's the thing that infuriates me more than anything else. Right. The Steeler fans don't like Mike Tomlin. Which is stupid. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL. Absolutely. You put, you put Tom. Like, okay. <coughs> he should win coach of the year this Just year. Just throw a little home, homer action on my side. You put Tomlin on the Texans, imagine what they oh could be. Oh, my gosh. Like, literally imagine what oh they could gosh. be. Like, I'm going to lay this out very simply. It is possible that Buffalo could lose out given the difficulty of the next two games, but... I have a very hard time believing that they would lose to the Jets. At I don't know, dude. They, they, it would be a lot of pressure they, on them. They, but. they were this close to the Ravens last week. That That's impressive yeah. is what that is to me. Yeah. So I'm going to make this very simple here. There are no Browns fans anywhere that should be rooting for the Steelers this week. Buffalo oh, is yeah. going to win one of their last three games. They are a good yeah. team. They have a good defense. They could even go into New England and beat the Patriots. Right no, now, I, I the agree. Patriots are I, really think, not I think Steve's well right. I, th- I think you need to be rooting for the Bills in so this case. You, the want, you want Pittsburgh yeah, to go if, down. If you're rooting for the Bills anyway, but well, yes. Well, but the yes. Bills There's that added incentive. Beat right, Pittsburgh. Right. Pittsburgh has to go to the Jets. The Jets are a different team at home. They've knocked off some quality teams yep. on their home field. Yep. And then Football they got to go to so Baltimore. Weird. Dan, you raised the point of, well, will Baltimore really be pushing hard in the final week? Uh, I mean, if they, I if they, they need will. the one seed, yeah, they if probably If they're would. trying to go for that playoff bye, they will 100% be... Well, I think they're going to get the bye and anyway. That's such a severe but rivalry anyway. Home field throughout the entire playoffs. That's the thing. You're right. Actually. I can't imagine the Ravens just laying down for the Steelers. No, they won't. They I, won't. That's just no, too big of a rivalry. I just can't not, imagine that. Not, not, so, not Lamar Jackson. Is the game in Baltimore It is in Baltimore. Okay. I'm going to so, say this. Pittsburgh Lamar could, Jackson, I know you guys are whatever on it, but Lamar Jackson's a competitor. He's oh, not, I would love Lamar Jackson if he didn't play for the Ravens. Right, right. But you know he what? Plays for the Ravens, so I've, screw him. I've, what if, I've what if, fallen in love with him. What if Lamar Jackson played for the Colts or the Titans or the Jags? Well, the Jags don't really matter, but no, I, I wouldn't like him. No, I wouldn't like him. No, yeah, right. That's, that's I would love Lamar yeah. Jackson if he didn't like. I play. didn't. I didn't like Andrew Luck. A lot yeah. of people liked Andrew Luck. I right. did not like him. Right. So, I, I to 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 put it in the PG terms, <coughs> I didn't give a crap about Andrew Luck. Right, I didn't care. Like right. I know a lot of people are high. That's on how him. I am with Lamar Jackson. I, it, it I even like, see whatever. Browns fans tweeting about Lamar Jackson. But oh, he's he's so cute, and, and but he's so much fun, and don't you can't you can't not root for a guy. No, I can root for a guy that's that. I cannot root for a guy that's fun if he plays for the freaking Baltimore Ravens. I'm sorry. Understandable. Going back to the main topic, the Titans have it very difficult down the stretch. They have uh, those aforementioned Good. two games against the Texans. Yep. And in between that, they have to play New Orleans. Oh, I don't know, that's, yep. I don't that know if the Texans brutal. games are that difficult. It is still possible that the Titans could lose out. Again, I don't like well, I, us that's coming my... down to teams losing out, but that's more likely than Buffalo losing out. Right? Literally, I hate that. I, the As a Texans fan, I hate that they basically have to lose out if I want the Texans to do anything. I mean, they have to lose two or three at least right. for, for it to be a positive result. But. So we'll see. Should be. Hey, at least it's exciting down the stretch. A lot of what we're going to be rooting for next is going to be determined this week based on who wins Houston, Tennessee, yeah. and who wins right. uh, Buffalo, Pittsburgh. But the cleanest, none of it matters if we lose to Arizona. Right. God forbid. Members of my family are, are in Phoenix right now. They're going to be at University of Phoenix Stadium to see that game. The big toaster. But 
So I hope for their sake the Browns, you know, get it done. I yeah, I I don't have. I'm I, sorry if the Brown. I, this is not a Arizona has lost. Ha, Arizona has be, lost six in a row, they have, and they have they one of have, the worst defenses in the last twenty years. They have to beat Arizona. Yeah, they I, just have to. I, I'm, I'm not, sorry. This is all an exercise in stupidity if the Browns don't beat Arizona. Well, right, yeah. This would be the, the this would be a waste of ten minutes of us talking. About <laughs> exactly. <Arizona's laughs> but, Bottom line, you know, this this could change based on the, the outcome of those two critical games. But the easiest path is Titans win the AFC South, Texans lose two of their last three, and Steelers lose two of their last three. Yeah. I think right. both of those situations are very attainable. Yeah. yeah. Or or if you swap or if you swap out with uh if say the Texans beat the Titans on Sunday, then you want the Titans to lose the last two after that. Here's the one thing we have. Hey, that's a good. Yeah, that works for everybody here. Well, right. Well, well, if the if the if the Texans do win Sunday, and then let's assume that New Orleans beats Tennessee, I will be a and the Browns are still alive. I will be a bigger Houston Texans fan than you will be. On I Sunday. if the if, I almost I almost cussed. If the, <laughs> if the Saints cannot beat the Titans, I will never I will hate them. Anyways, now here's the one scenario we haven't mentioned yet. What if the Texans do win the AFC South and the Rave excuse me, the Browns, the Steelers, and the Titans all finish nine and seven? What happens uh, then? Three way tie head to head probably right? goes away. The Titans would lose their tiebreaker advantage on the yeah. Browns in that scenario. I think it would be conference record. The Browns would be above both of those teams, I would, would think. They? Yeah. Yeah. Right. If, if all three teams finish nine and seven, yes. Because it, it would go to conference record. Especially with the Browns having a better division record against the Steelers, they wouldn't right. be able to use that anymore. Yeah. So it, it well it, it yeah if the if it finishes the way it does the Browns will go five and one in the AFC North. How crazy is that the Browns will go five and one in the AFC North and only finish nine and seven? That's what happens when you end up matched up against the best division in football across the cross that's, conference. That's true, and you piss away games like Seattle and. Uh, uh, <laughs> that Seattle loss was pretty bad. Seattle was and the oh Rams lost too. The Rams loss was bad, but nothing was as bad as the. Seattle lost, but anyway, we're get we're getting off topic. Those are the scenarios. That's what that's what it is. We'll find out what happens on Sunday. Like Steve said, this could all be for naught if the Browns don't take care of business on Sunday, which I think they will. So that's that. There's a lot of possibilities for Deerfield <coughs> Gridiron post game this Sunday. Oh God, I, let's. I pray to God my voice is either going to be jubilant or it's going to be awake, folks. Yeah. We'll... Uh, Jordan, real quick. Yes, sir. Uh, Rockets, Cavs last night. Yeah. So uh, I, I'll, thoughts I'll, on the new arena. So I won't be I won't be too long. Yeah. The new arena. I've actually been there before this game. Okay. I went to a, another Cavs game earlier. It's really nice. I mean, you know, they did a lot with what they had. They stripped away. I don't know if you remember like the quote unquote Loudville or whatever. Yeah. How goofy it looked up there. Like it looked like a it looked like a civil or a civil war. It looked like a like a World War Two bunker in at, at parts. I thought like it wasn't awful, right. but it, it looked really like blocky. Cinder blocks, concrete. They blocks. cleaned that up real nice. Yeah. So you actually feel like the whole stadium or the whole arena now is is decent. Yeah. Um, the little Budweiser bar they added, which also includes Goose Island Crafts, which is nice, is really sharp. Because it's, it's an Anheuser Busch beer. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's really sharp and it's a great place to meet up. You know how you know meet up with people that you hey you're there too. You know, it's yeah. a great place to meet up. It, it's not a bad it's, it reminds me of like if you took the 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 standing room only sections of the of uh, progressive yeah and just made it into one big section. That's kind of yeah. what it is. It's cool. Uh overall the whole place looks nicer, the entrances look nicer. 
I, I I think they did a good job with the with the redesign or however yeah. you want to remodel whatever the word is. Yeah, and then the um, game was actually pretty. The game was oddly entertaining. It was one of the we. I have seen a lot of NBA games. I've been to a lot of NBA games. Yeah. It was probably one of the weirdest NBA games I've ever yeah. been to, and I say that because Houston and Cavs were going neck and neck for most of the game, and then Houston pulls away, about a fifteen point lead, right? And out of nowhere, they forget how to play basketball, speaking of Houston. And everything the Cavs were throwing was going in. The, the Houston defense collapsed. There was just pockets everywhere. James Harden Jr. got hot. I told you yes, about that kid. No, he did. He did. He really did. James Harden posted about him on his story. Yeah. Yeah. They, he, he's fire. That kid's going to be something else. Um, yeah. Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah, we're, we're talking about Porter Jr. just so for people that don't know NBA that well. Yeah. Um, Wow, that guy's that guy was impressive. I, I hate. <laughs> I I actually think the that, Cavs suck. I think that the Cavs should have won that game, yeah. uh, especially with that bizarre collapse from Houston. I think, and I hate to say this, but I think that like I feel like Thompson and Love kind of slowed the game down in a point when that, they shouldn't and, have and slowed I'm, the game down. I'm a, I'm 100% done with Jordan Clarkson. I just Well, I, Clarkson's a doofus. He's but oh gosh. I've never liked him. I've never liked him and I still do don't it. like him. Uh but the re- the real talk about this game is James Harden willed the Rockets to win that yeah. game. He he literally single-handedly won the game. And and I, and, and I'll I'll give it up to him on that one because yeah. He didn't do it in his normal way. Right, where right. He went to the line and shot thirty-five free throws. Like he, he was literally just shooting threes, yeah. and and he, he was efficient. With there was a few times where he faked that he was going to shoot a yeah. three, and he just lay it up, and like the whole team was just like not ready for that. Right, and well, then there's, there's, and then lo- there's also the, the the I would argue the game-winning assist at the end where yeah yeah he was acting oh, like yeah. he was going to cut we're, through to the basket, and he, Kevin Love really closed out real hard yeah. on that three. Okay, and, 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 and PJ Tucker's on the right-hand corner and, and just shot a wide-open corner three. Which, for those that don't know, PJ Tucker's that's his his jam. That's his one the, thing on offense. The corner, the corner threes, yeah. um, and then you know it didn't help that the Cavs the ensuing two possessions the they just turned the ball over times. and. And I, Six I, turnovers in the last four yeah, minutes in that I, game. You know, it's it, there was a lot of weird things going on there, but because stupidly they're putting the ball in the hands of Jordan Clarkson. Why? Oh, that's a terrible idea. Why? Game on the line. Oh Kevin Porter Jr. They should. That, yeah. Okay. He's you only know, 19 years old, but but put the ball in his hands. He was red hot. Let him do do his thing. It's the but, simplest thing in basketball. What they should have done is level. drawn up a couple a couple. Uh, screens so that Porter could keep shooting because right. that dude was like his, his he was just yeah. on fire and right. um you I, know I it, will it, say and I will I like like I said I will give James Harden credit he only shot five free throws in that game which no he he weird. was and you know what you know what's interesting and I've said this for years I I don't know why he tries to get all these fouls he doesn't need to even do that right. like just the threat of James Harden right. often gives defend like if, if he plays his cards right defenders yeah. will play abnormally and kind of back off at times. There are there are games though where he shoots like eleven of thirty nine, but he still scores forty five points Which, because he goes to the line twenty. And and, and and people complain about that, but you know, I'm gonna say as a Rockets fan and just as someone who watches a lot of basketball, a lot of times they're they're real fouls. People just don't like it because it's a weird way to to to, to score points. But anyway, that's a whole other discussion. But yeah. he was very efficient last night. Russ also actually had a very good game. There was a parts in the half around the, the half of the game and, and third quarter where Russ was driving all the time on some of the younger guys and 
Capella had a lot of good defensive stops. Harden actually played really good defense in this game. It, it was a stu. I put it this way: this game exposes all the good things about the Cavs as well as the bad things. And I'm going to say the exact same for Houston. It shows all the good things about Houston and all the bad things about this Houston team. This Houston team will not compete for a title unless they make a move before the trade deadline. And yeah. that's just a fact. Like well, they and, just, well, and I tweeted it. They flat out don't run an offense. No, they don't. They, their offense is James Harden isolation. And if they double him, there's a wide open player. Yeah. And, and unfortunately... Dan Tony just <coughs> loves that, and he just lets that happen. And I'm so that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. But it was a fun time. It was a very entertaining game, way more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um. And go check out the new arena if you haven't already. Uh. Yeah. Um. Let's. Because uh, we're going super super long. Yeah. Um. Let's just. We'll we'll announce it about uh. So Saucy, just touch we'll on just, it real quick. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about more next week. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, Saucy's yeah, so, got... So Saucy, they made a couple announcements today. Uh, there's three... God, I keep saying... Uh, there's three new Saucy Brewworks locations that are coming up in 2020. Yeah. We've talked about... Well, we know about one the one them. in Independence. Independence. And there's, now they, they... Actually, it's technically four. You yeah. got Independence with near the Top Golf facility. Yep. You got Pinecrest, right. which... A lot of Cleveland people will know what that is. This is going to be the smallest location that they have so far. Sorry. 2,000 square feet. Whoa. It's like a house, basically. At Pinecrest? Yeah, it's going to be a very tiny location. It's almost like it's a beer stand. Yeah, it almost is. Yeah. But then get this. We already knew about Columbus. Those rumbles were going on. So there's Columbus as well. This one blew my mind today. Detroit. They're opening up a location in Detroit. Uh, So they said spring of 2020. You I mean, know, good for them. But you I, and me were talking. Weird. We want this to succeed. We want it to be good. I'm a little concerned they're biting a little more than they can chew. Not mm-hmm. a businessman. I don't know the brewery industry. Yeah, I, I love beer. That's yeah. about where it stops. And I, don't, I don't know I their don't know. business model and business plan. Or, right. I mean, they, they could have said they want to do this when they right. first opened. Right. So I don't and, know. And I don't know all the details of their investors or how that right. all. I don't know anything about that. But hey, three, technically, four new locations. Yeah. So that's cool. I love the Cleveland ones. I yeah. think Independence and Pinecrest is great. Spread those breweries out to the parts of town where they just have a lot of chains. The, independent, the Independence one, I think they one of the main reasons they they wanted to do it is it's to uh, top golf, right? Well, or, that and uh, they wanted more uh, uh, brewing capacity. True. That true. That, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for those that are into that, Top Golf is coming around that time too. Opens, so open tomorrow. Is, yeah, this is going to be a hot part of town. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's you know, I, I wish them the best and I hope it all works out. And this is exciting, um, especially I'm excited about the Detroit location. Detroit for people that don't know Detroit, I know Detroit very well for a lot of reasons. It smells I live, bad. I live there. It does have a bad part. Part. <laughs> it does have a part that smells bad. They're really into beer. Yeah. Uh, they've always been supported by breweries that are more out of Grand Rapids or Kalamazoo. But as of late, the, the move has been more local Detroit breweries, I've noticed. And while this is not a Detroit brewery, it's a Cleveland brewery, and it could it could blow up. I really think it could blow up, but we'll yeah. see. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the, up, the, the, the update on that. Another thing I want to touch real fast, Ola Tacos had a soft opening last week, so that's yeah. why we're not reviewing it this week. But... Apparently it's now open officially. So well, yeah, it's open um, uh, carry out and car side. 
Yeah. So they don't have like a, a, a restaurant yet. Yeah. That's coming next, but it's a it's a basically a, like a, a glorified taco truck. Yeah. In a building. Yeah. So it looks I've authentic. Heard great reviews so far. Yeah. I can't wait um, to try it. We will hopefully try it. Yeah. Maybe this weekend. If not this weekend, maybe next week early. But sure. we'll see. But it looks like a great place. Uh, there's really no other events or, or previews. I just nope. you shouted it out earlier. There's a lot of great Christmas concerts in Cleveland. Yeah. If you can take the time to go check one out, do it. It's yep. there's not a lot of cities that have this, so yep. it's pretty cool. All right. Uh, so let's end the episode with uh, with talking about uh, the move for the weekend. Uh, what's going on, guys? What do you guys got planned this weekend? What is the move, Steve? Steve, you go first. Uh, honestly, the move is. Buy a new Christmas tree because the tree we have is small, inadequate, and uh, just doesn't adequately represent the holiday season. So let me guess. <laughs> let me guess. Ren said that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so hey. that's oh, that's gonna be our move. Of uh, are you gonna get a real one? I don't think I'd be able to make that sell. So yeah. I could try, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Jordan, what's the move this weekend? So I got my holiday party tomorrow at my work, so really excited about that. Um, that's a that's literally like all I have going on tomorrow. And Saturday, Teresa's nephew has his baptism, nice. uh, so that's cool. Um, we'll go to that, and then I have another Christmas party with some friends later in that evening. And I assume Sunday I'm just gonna watch Tottenham go to church, and then watch the Texans hopefully beat the Titans. But we'll nice. see. <laughs> nice. Uh, for me, I'm just trying to get rid of this cold, uh, get my voice back. Um, I'm going to hopefully this weekend knock out uh, what's left of my Christmas shopping. I say what's left, but I really mean uh, all of it because I really haven't started. So <laughs> I'm going to hopefully do that. Um, hopefully I feel well enough to do that. And uh, yeah, Saturday or Sunday is... Uh, church and then uh browns and uh cardinals is that a four o'clock game yeah it is it's arizona so you're probably going to the early church service if i assume if you go no 11 oh okay we'll talk the browns about don't play until four well because so. you know spurs you know who spurs play right tottenham uh-huh. wolves uh-oh <laughs> come on you wolves <laughs> what time is that game nine o'clock <sighs> all right which we'll, team is we'll higher in the out. table by the way uh, I think Wolves are, actually. Wolves are. Yeah. By a point. So yeah. this is a big game. <laughs> Wolves have only lost two. Well, we don't have to talk about yeah, this in the podcast. We'll talk about this. All right. So uh, appreciate you guys listening. It's another long one. Uh, but we really wanted to talk to Steve about his piece. We really appreciate him writing that for our website. Um, if you haven't checked it out yet, still, it's, it's never going to be off our website. Uh, go to lotlpodcast.com and check it out. Um, follow us on social media at the LOTL podcast on uh, all platforms and uh, keep listening on uh, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Give us a rating, a follow, a review, a uh, subscribe, all that good stuff. Appreciate you guys. And uh, yeah, go Browns this weekend and uh, we will talk to you guys next week. So for Jordan, for Jimmy who uh, had to leave us a little bit early and for Steve, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Living Off the Land. And we will catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye.